Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. As you probably noticed, as you look around, there's quite a lot of our family on vacation, on honeymoon, and all kinds of stuff going on. But there's also, thank you, Jordan. <laughs> there's also... Uh, I see a lot of new faces, and that really, really excites me to see people hungry for God showing up to church. I'm, I'm happy to see every one of you, but I'll just say I'm the happiest to see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to embarrass her right now, but seeing her on the front row with my, with my wife <laughs> is Bernadette, a.k.a. Debt, a.k.a. Sugar. <laughs> we grew up together since we were in, like, kindergarten, elementary school, and um, she's visiting us today. I'm just so happy to see Bernadette. So everybody make Bernadette feel extra special. <laughs> I think it's been 20 years since we'd seen each other. So I had to run back there and hug real quick. <laughs> oh, stories? We have, no, we're not going to go there because that would take the rest of the service. <laughs> oh, man, what a privilege today to share another message from God's Word with you and as usual, if you'd like a copy uh, of the outline of my notes, they're available out there in the foyer. You can grab one now or later or not. They're there if you want them. Um, we're going to continue this morning as we have all year long. The whole year 2020, we are learning to become solid, right? It's our year long theme, and we're learning biblical foundations for strong disciples. The whole year, we've been learning and saying that practicing. Uh-oh, we're missing the rest of it. I'm glad you know it. Practicing God's word makes me strong. Good. And this month, the month of, of July, uh, we've been learning all about spiritual family and church life. The title of our, our series right now is Not Alone. Just turn to somebody and tell them, you're not alone. <laughs> In our first message, Not Alone message, we learned about the fact that there is no family membership, right? And what, did we, what did we learn? We learned that we desperately need the family of God if we're going to thrive as healthy disciples. But when it comes to your and my own personal relationship with Jesus, we stand alone, each of us stands alone. Nobody can live off of somebody else's relationship with Jesus. And we learned about the necessity of getting extra oil, right? And then last week, we learned about the royal family. We learned that our identity as a family, our identity as a people, is totally wrapped up in the king, right? And who is the king? Jesus. And our, our identity as a family, our identity as a people, our identity as a church is totally wrapped up in Jesus, the king and his kingdom. Last week we learned, uh, it was repeated there on the video about small groups. Who's excited that small groups are going to get started again soon? We learned that God's kingdom family values, well there's a lot of them, but we kind of broke them down and summarized them into three. And that was obedience, right, that has everything to do with our relationship with God. But then we learned that God's two other kingdom family values are relationships and Multiplication, right? How the family 
grows. And we ended last Sunday's message learning a new word, a Greek word to be exact. Who remembers that new word we started learning last Sunday? Diatribo, right? Everybody say diatribo. Can you say diatribe? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the word tribe? All right, tribe. Now, what, what just came to your mind? All right. I think of a lot of things. I'm sure that all of us had different kind of images pass through our mind, right? Flash through our mind right there. Just think tribe, okay? Maybe even close your, mi- uh, close your eyes. Don't close your mind. Close your eyes. If you close your mind, then we're in trouble. Okay. Close your eyes. All right, ready? Tribe. Oh, good stuff. Although the full definition of the word tribe is very lengthy and detailed, the simplest definition of a tribe is this. I think I have it for you here. A tribe is a group of people who share the same leader and the same culture or a common culture. A tribe is a group of people who share the same leader and a common culture. And so today, not alone, part three, the title of today's message is the Jesus tribe. Come on, turn to somebody and say, are you in the Jesus tribe? Come on, if you're not in the Jesus tribe yet, you can get in the Jesus tribe today. We'll come back to that definition of tribe and, and talk a little bit more about it. But come on, the Jesus tribe, I, I, let, let me just kind of lay it out for you before we really, really dive into it. The Jesus tribe is a family not related by blood, but totally related by the blood. Okay. The Jesus tribe is a family that's very diverse, but with one powerful thing in common we're very diverse but we have one thing in common the jesus tribe is a family comprised of distinct cultures i mean we have dozens of cultures right here in this room okay but we're all tied harmoniously together by the kingdom culture the jesus tribe is a family of disciples all committed to imitating our one same leader right come on say i'm in the jesus tribe now Today, I want to go together to Mark chapter 3, and we are going to continue to learn more about this word, diatribo. Come on, say diatribo again. Now, let's say it so it really sticks. Say diatribe. Oh, all right. Mark chapter 3, we're going to read verses 13 through 19. Who's ready to read the word of God today? Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Can we say, speak to me, Holy Spirit? Change me by the power of your word. Amen. All right, Mark 3, 13. Afterward, Jesus, afterward means he had just done something, right? So after he did what he was doing, he actually had been praying all night, okay? He went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany. Come on, let's say accompany. 
They were to accompany him, and then he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose. You say, Pastor, are you really going to read all their names? Yes. These are the 12. Simon, whom he nicknamed Peter, James and John, who happened to be brothers, sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judah, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Did you notice how diverse these guys were? I mean, I could give you many examples, but let me just give you one. Fisherman and a tax collector. Fisherman who were kind of looked at as sort of a, a lower socioeconomic status type job, but everybody loved fishermen because they gave them food, right? And then you had, so, so then you had Matthew, a corrupt tax collector, who was stealing everybody's money. This group of people Jesus called were very, very diverse. But they ended up having one very powerful thing in common. Here at Encounter Church, I don't know if you've noticed, but we talk an awful lot about discipleship. Do we or don't we? We talk about discipleship every time we come together. And it might be just because that was kind of Jesus' last instructions to go and make disciples. You know, if you've ever, man, they talk about discipleship an awful lot. Well, yeah, we do, because that's the thing Jesus left us to do right before he ascended back in to heaven. And so that's why we talk so much about discipleship, because it literally is our purpose now as followers of Jesus. But what exactly is discipleship? Because many have attempted to define it. And there are lots of good, yet partial, explanations for what discipleship is. We even, we've even talked a lot about that here. What does it mean to, to be a disciple? It means to follow Jesus. Even more than that, it means to imitate Jesus, okay? To be a, a disciple, it means to imitate. And we've talked a whole lot about what discipleship is. But today, I want to give you what I believe from my study of the Bible and from my learning about discipleship and from making disciples now for about 23 years, I want to give you what I see clearly from the Scripture and from experience, what the clearest definition of discipleship is. It's right there. We just read it, actually. It comes from Mark chapter 3. The first thing it says about the 12 guys Jesus called to follow him is that they were to accompany him. Say, accompany. They were to accompany him. And then it says, then they would be sent out to do what he did. Cast out demons, preach the kingdom, all that kind of stuff, right? So say, accompany and imitate. Accompany and imitate. Diatribo. Why are we using the word diatribo? Because that's the word. When it says here in Mark chapter 3 that Jesus called them to accompany him, it's diatribo, okay? Now, we started learning 
what diatribo meant, what it means last Sunday, right? Anybody remember? Can you show me with your hands what diatribo means? Come on, let's do it. So I'm very, very white, so my hands turned red. <laughs> Diatribo means to rub on or to rub together or even better put, to rub off on. Somebody ever rubbed off on you? That could be for good or for not so good. But diatribo that word in Greek, remember the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, right? Yes? It was. <laughs> it's important when there are really important principles to understand, to understand what the word actually means, okay? So when it says that the 12 were to accompany him, it says they were to diatribo him, or he was to diatribo them, or they were to diatribify each other, okay? It literally means, okay, there are three definitions, or there are three words that this means. Diatribo first means, I'm going to make y'all do it more, come on. I don't want to rub my hands together in church. All right, well, that's all right, okay? It means to rub together. Okay, some of you are going to get this. I hope we all going to get it. But the ones that are rubbing hard and, and strong and long, you're going to really get it. The second meaning of diatribo is to consume. Ooh. To rub together or to rub off on or consume. So obedient. And the third meaning is simply to spend time. All right. These were the 12 men Jesus was going to train to just a few years later completely take over his mission and his ministry on planet Earth. These were really, really important guys. And the way he describes the word right here, what he was going to do with them, which we call discipleship, they were known as the 12 disciples, also known as the 12 apostles, and then we see later many, many more disciples doing the same thing. This is what he was going to do. Are you ready? You say, it, it, there's a whole lot of definitions of discipleship. Let me give you one that's going to stick with us today, and we're going to run with it, all right? Discipleship is to spend time together rubbing Jesus off on each other until our attitudes, perspectives, and behaviors become totally consumed with Jesus. For people to spend time together rubbing off on each other. Liz thinks I rub way too much off on her. 
rubbing off on each other, but not just rubbing off everything. Rubbing the Jesus in us off on others until our lives become totally consumed with Jesus. Until our entire life, our way of thinking, our behaviors, our attitudes, our relationships, our everything become consumed with Jesus. That's what discipleship from the word diatribo means. Now, I know I've already said it, but diatribo forms a tribe. Come on now, let's say diatribo. Diatribo forms a tribe. The Jesus tribe. Why? Because a tribe, if, uh, I don't know if we can go back, but I can tell you the definition of a tribe is a group of people who share the same leader and a common culture, right? And so what happens through discipleship, what happens through accompanying, diatriboing, is that we end up, we end up rubbing Jesus off on each other our same leader, we end up following Jesus together, and we end up rubbing the kingdom culture off on each other. Diatribo forms a tribe. Who's our common leader? Okay, what's our common culture? The kingdom culture. In other words, imitating what Jesus did, right? Remember discipleship? We learned it's a company and imitate. Thank you. Accompany and imitate. Accompany and imitate. Diatribo. Now, how many of us would agree that probably the perfect disciple maker um, was um, Jesus? Like if we're really looking for what is discipleship, what is it really, and what should it look like, and what should it produce, we probably ought to go to the source of the whole thing, right? So the best disciple maker was Jesus. Jesus showed us a very important pattern, okay? A very important pattern about diatribo. And that is this pattern. Disciples are most successfully made and multiplied through small groups. That's not something we made up. That's not something that the church has just decided to discover about 30 years ago now we have you know we didn't used to have small groups and now we have small groups that didn't come from church okay that came from the bible jesus did not disciple 300 jesus did not disciple the 5000 felicia just read us about jesus ministered to preached to healed set free multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people. But Jesus only personally diatriboed. He only personally accompanied and taught them to imitate him 12 dudes. A small group. Some of you that are uh, less than social butterflies might think 12 sounds like an awful lot to me. That's not very small. (laughs) But Jesus showed us a pattern. Disciples, like right now, we're getting discipled by learning the word of God, right? We we are. Sure, when we worship together, when we pray together, when we learn the word of God together, yes, that is discipleship. 
But the most powerful, successful discipleship happens when you and I are connected to a small group of disciples so we can... Diatribo to form the diatribe. Oh. Theologians say, okay, those who've studied this really, really, really detailed, that 70% of Jesus' time was spent diatriboing the 12. Only 30% he spent doing other things with other people. 70% of his ministry, 70% of all he did was spend time rubbing off on the 12, teaching them to do what he did, and then sending them out to, to just imitate what he did. 70%. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a 30% Christianity, do you? No, no. I must be in relationship with others that can rub off on me. I must be in relationship with others upon whom I can rub off. That we can rub Jesus off on each other to the point where our whole entire life becomes consumed with him. But that, although it happens somewhat in a larger setting, it happens even better in a small group. A small group of up to 12 people, okay? Because I don't reckon I can do it any better than Jesus, do you? Somebody's like, well, I can do 20. All right. Let me know how that goes. I'm, I'm going to aim for Jesus, right? That's why we insist. No one's ever going to push you or coerce you or make you. Listen. You could come here till kingdom come and enjoy our services and all that. Please do. I mean, look what God is doing in our services. People are being healed. People are being touched. People are being set free. We're learning the word of God. We experience the presence of God. It's amazing. But as your pastor, I want to insist that you somehow become connected in a small group of disciples so that the diatriboing can happen see we rub off on each other very little in a large setting but we rub off on each other a whole lot more in relationship in friendship in small group settings another thing we have to really take into consideration and understand is that our tribe is an important part of our spiritual identity or our spiritual family. Our spiritual family or tribe is a very important part of our spiritual identity. Even Jesus thought so. <laughs> Even Jesus thought so for himself. Say, what are you talking about? This verse used to really, like, bother me. You ever read something in the Bible and it's like, that bothers me, Lord. Like, why did you do that? Why did you say that? And then you come to realize, I'm bothered because I'm the one who needs to change, not him. 
By the way, that's a very good rule of thumb. If you're ever reading the word of Almighty God and something bothers you, you're the problem. <laughs> I'm the problem. It's not God. If I ever think something in the Bible needs to change, the, what needs to change is I need to change so I can understand his word, right? So I used to read this. It's also in Mark chapter 3. And I used to be like, Jesus, that wasn't very nice. Let's go to the end of Mark 3, 31 through 35. And I, before I read it, our tribe or our spiritual family is very important part of our spiritual identity. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. By the way, this all happened as he was diatriboing all day long, these 12 dudes, and ministering to everybody with them, all right? Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, and they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. Like, Jesus, hello, like you have a family. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know who the messenger is, but somebody came in and said, Jesus, you better come out. It's your mom. <laughs> right? I don't think they would have worried too much about the brothers because he was the eldest, right? But when it's your mom, you better come out, right? Jesus, your mom is here. Like, come out. They want to talk to you. And there was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and brothers are asking for you outside. <laughs> And Jesus replied, who's my mama? I don't think he said it like that. I'm just being facetious. But Jesus replied, I'd really like to know the tone of voice he said this in. He could have said, can't ask me my ma. <sighs> who's my mom? He could have said, like, I'm going to turn this in. I think that's what he was doing. Actually, he didn't have to think about it. He already knew. But I think he said, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Does that rub you the wrong way like it does me? <laughs> Come on, I grew up in the South. We respect our mama, <laughs> right? Jesus was by no means, later we see Jesus very much respecting his mother and all that, okay? Jesus was by no means denying his blood relatives, okay? By no means. So please don't go out and deny your family, okay? <laughs> Well, Jesus did it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Okay? No, he didn't. He was by no means denying his blood relatives. He was simply revealing and teaching the power of a spiritual family. He was simply showing us the power that there is in our tribe. Our spiritual tribe, right? Our spiritual family. Now, it's an extra special blessing when your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your grandma, your granddaddy, your aunt, your uncle, your cousins, 
When they're also part of the spiritual family. Come on, somebody say hashtag goals. Right? I mean, I want all my family. Thank God I'm so, so thankful that I have a mother and a father and a sister who follow Jesus like I do. I, I, have, I have aunts and uncles and cousins that also love Jesus. But I want every single one of my blood family to be a part of my spiritual family. One day I believe they will. I really do, do believe they will. They're just not yet. It's a great goal for all of your blood family to be part of your spiritual family. But let me just tell you this. So often, I don't know if you've noticed this, we become way more like our spiritual family than we do our blood family. Jesus wasn't denying his family. He just wanted us to understand the power of a spiritual family. He wanted us to understand that it's not just about biological blood that brings us together, right? Let's just be honest. Nope. You know what? The camera doesn't see anybody in the crowd. It only sees me. So nobody's going to see if you raise your hand or not. Who in here has a friend that's way closer than your blood family? Ha! At least 90% of the church said that. We many times become way more like the people we diatribo with than our own blood family. Again, I hope your blood family all becomes people to disciple, right? People that you can accompany and they can accompany you and you can rub Jesus off on each other and you can imitate Jesus together, right? But you have to understand today, and this is where I really wanted to get to, with the whole series, even if you're the only Christian in your family, even if you're the only person in your entire household or your whole blood family that is truly a disciple of Jesus, you are not alone. You are part. You are part of the most wonderful imperfect, amazing, at times dysfunctional, awesome, precious, loving family in the whole universe. The family of God. That's why the Bible says even if your mother and your father abandon you, it says he will pick you up, he will bring you close, and the Bible says he causes the orphan to dwell in families. You're not alone. The sad thing is, so many Christians are part of a family, but they don't live like it. They come to church. Oh, yeah, my encounter family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. I love all of you. And then it's like a week later, it's like, oh, nice to see you again. Nobody has heard from you in an entire week. I'm not scolding anybody, okay? I just want us to understand that family is more than this. This is a celebration of family. But family, the tribe, sticks together, does life together. Jesus literally had a hard time, like, even trying to get any me time, ever. 
If there was anybody that ever needed any me time, it would have been Jesus, right? Like, hello, salvation of the world, like his, his mission. He's got to make sure it gets done. He needed to make sure he had me time with the Father and focus. And we see him having to go spend all night praying for that to happen. Why? Because these guys would not leave him alone day and night until he went to the cross. Discipleship is more than a word on Sunday. It's more than even a discipleship class. It's even more than your small group lesson. It is diatribo. It is rubbing off on each other, doing life together, rubbing shoulders until the Jesus in you gets on them. The question is, are you first part of the Jesus tribe? Are you part of the Jesus tribe? What do I mean? Have you decided to follow Jesus Christ? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Have you received your new identity that Felicia taught us about, daughter or son? Have you been saved? Have you joined the family? It's not just coming here. I'm going to go back to my first Sunday on this. It's not just coming here. This is great, but this won't cut it. Do you have a personal relationship and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you love him when nobody else is watching? Do you follow him in public and in private? Do you talk to him both when we all talk together? Do you talk to him in private? See, to become part of the family, you first have to become a son or a daughter. You must be born again. So my first question is, are you part of the tribe? Have you decided to follow Jesus? But my second question is almost as important. If you have decided to follow Jesus, you must be able to answer this question. I must be able to answer this question. And here it is. Who is accompanying you on your journey? Ain't no long ranger Christians. They end up dead in the desert. If you've decided to follow Jesus, glory to God. But listen, hear my heart today. Hear the Father's heart to you. It's not enough just to follow him for a few days or weeks or even years. If you're going to follow him for the rest of your days... If you're going to truly make it as a disciple, you must be accompanied. You will not make it on your own. We need each other. Oh, come on, I know this might be awkward, but turn to somebody and say, you make me better. And now tell them, and I make you better. Last Sunday, 
Last Sunday, I said there are two good questions a disciple should always ask yourself. If you are serious about following Jesus, there's two questions that you should always ask yourself. I'm constantly asking myself. And now that I've understood Diatribo more, I'm asking, it, I'm asking myself constantly. These are the two questions. Who is rubbing against me? <laughs> Who is rubbing off on me? Because you know, you know you get to choose that. Nobody just rubs off on you just because. Like, you know when somebody's rubbing off on you. You get to choose who rubs off on you and who doesn't. We don't necessarily choose the people that surround us, although to a certain extent we do. But we haven't chosen, you know, if you live in this city, you can't necessarily control who you come in contact with and all that. But you can definitely, you can't even, nobody even chose their own family. Oh, but we can choose who rubs off on us. So the first question is, who is rubbing off on me? The second question, or I know some people say it like this, who is pouring into me? Okay? Who is pouring into me? But another question. Listen, even if you're a brand new disciple of Jesus, you can do this. Whom are you rubbing off on? I've just been saved three days. Guess what? You can rub off on somebody that doesn't know Jesus at all. Who's pouring into me? Into whom am I pouring? They say, pouring what? Jesus. Rubbing off what? Jesus. The Word of God. Prayer. Godly behavior, holiness, righteous living, a, a perspective according to the word of God, attitudes and language and, and, and relationships that bring glory to God. Who in my life is rubbing that off on me and pouring it into me? It's good to love Jesus. But who is rubbing more of Jesus off onto you? That's discipleship. It's good to be filled with him. But who is pouring into you to help fill you? But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Whom will you rub off on? Into whom will you pour Jesus? Because, my dear family, that is the only way the kingdom of God invades and overtakes the earth. It's the way. Jesus said, go and preach the good news. Go and make disciples. That it, those are our instructions. Preach the message and diatribo the world until the kingdom of God overtakes the earth. Until everyone on the planet has heard the message of the good news. Until everyone on earth has had a witness of Jesus. It happens through those who say yes to the command of discipleship. Who is accompanying you?
I want to invite you. The Lord is inviting you. Make a move today. Make a move today. Come on, say today. Make a move today, right now, towards making your spiritual family, your tribe, a priority in your life. If you've been a lone ranger, first of all, if you've never received Jesus, today is your day to join the family. But if you have received Jesus and you've been being a lone ranger, today is the day to leave that back desert behind you and be a part of the family. Make the family of God a priority in your life. Like we told each other, they'll make you better. And you'll make them better. That's the way it works. Just before we pray, I would like to ask if everyone, if you wouldn't mind, just shut your eyes for a moment. If you want, bow your head. Whatever makes you feel focused and connected with God. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to bow your head, do whatever you want. Stay seated, get on your knees, stand up, whatever. However makes you feel focused and connected with God in your heart. Just get in that position right now. I don't, know, I don't know exactly who it is. Actually, it's probably two or three. But I know in my spirit that in the house today, there are at least a couple. A couple. Maybe even four or five of us. That need to make that initial decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, or you have been born again, you have received Jesus, but you have not been following him lately. We call that being backslidden. Maybe you've never come close to God before. Maybe you've never, ever confessed Jesus as your Lord. Or maybe you have, but you know that today you're far from him. It's time to come home. It's time to come back to the family, or it's time to join the family in the first place. But the first move, the first decision is towards Jesus himself. I'm not going to make you come to an altar, but I do want to know who we're praying with this morning. If that's you, rather you need to make the decision First time to follow Jesus. You want to be forgiven of your sins. You want to be born again. You want to make Jesus Christ your Lord. Or you've been backslidden. You've been far from God. And today you want to come home. I want to, if you would just slip your hand up and down really quick. I want to know who it is we're praying with. Praise God. Who else says that's me? Who else says that's me? Hey, I know in my heart it's at least one or two more. And the Holy Spirit is working on you. He's moving on your heart. He's knocking on your heart. Who else says that's me? I need to be born again or I've been far, I've been backslidden and I need to come home. Today I want to make that decision. I want to make that move. Thank you, Jesus.
Now, whether you raised your hand or not is really beside the point. I just want to know who I'm praying with. Because what really counts is the decision you make in your heart and what you confess with your mouth today. I just want to invite everybody to stand to your feet. And because a few of our family members today need to make this decision, need to make this move, how about we all join in and pray together as a tribe, as a family? Rather, this is your first time giving your life to Jesus, or you've been backsliding and you're coming home, you're rededicating your life, or simply we're just, we're just declaring our commitment and our allegiance to Jesus. Let's pray this all together. Father God, I come to you through Jesus. Today, I leave my sins behind. I repent. I turn away from this world, the ways of the world. I want to follow your ways. Father, I turn my heart totally over to you. Jesus, I believe you came to rescue and redeem me. You came to give me a new life. So Jesus, right now, I surrender fully to you. Save me. Forgive me. Set me free. Heal me. I want to be born again. I want to live the new life you paid for on the cross. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. And today I declare you are my King and you are my Lord. And I will follow you the rest of my life. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand for that today. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this family today. Thank you for this powerful tribe, God. I thank you for the Encounter family, the Encounter tribe. We are a family of soul winners. We are a family of disciple makers. We are a family who not only experiences revival, but we are a family who carries revival to our city, God. I thank you for this amazing, powerful family, God. As we continue to just wait in your presence, we pray, fill us once again. Just before we go, one more time. Come on, let's worship him. Let's just wait on the Lord for two more minutes, and then I'll pray to dismiss those of you that need to go. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.